Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, a controversial bill at the state legislature bringing harsher penalties for protesters inspires a commentary from MNN's Bill Werner. Lieutenant Governor Tina Smith is calling on Minnesota students to share their thoughts on the state capitol as part of a new essay contest celebrating the historic building's new renovations. And former gopher kicker Chris Hawthorne is back at the U of M in a new capacity. But first, school districts across Minnesota are struggling to hire and retain teachers. MNN's Tasha Radel has more. That's right, Scott. School districts across the state are having a tough time filling open teaching positions. Joining me to discuss the current climate is Minnesota's Education Commissioner Brenda Caselius. Let's dive right in. Commissioner, what are you hearing and seeing across the state? Yeah, so we are experiencing a teacher shortage across uh, Minnesota. This is particularly uh, more difficult in our areas that are in rural Minnesota that may be more regionally isolated. Um, and uh, so they have experienced and, and shared with me that even in the elementary grades, uh, they're having difficulty finding teachers, and typically they have a lot of applicants in, in those areas. Um, but for many years, we've been putting out a supply and demand report uh, showing the hard-to-staff areas like math and science or special education or um, some areas specific to a particular uh, um, uh, areas um, of career and technical education. and um, But more recently, we've been seeing it really across the board. And uh, is there anything behind this uh, that you feel? What's driving this? I think there are a couple things. The first being that, you know, Minnesota has a really uh, low unemployment rate. Uh, so there's a competitive workplace out there. Um, and I think that uh, many other careers pay uh, better than we pay our teachers. And I think the second reason is is that, you know, since the No Child Left Behind Act, uh, you know, people's views of our schools, our public schools, has uh, shifted, and sometimes the blame lands on the, uh, the floor of the teacher. And um, I think that's unfair. I think we have great public schools across the state and hardworking teachers. Uh, who do great things with our kids, but sometimes the rhetoric around uh, our public schools is an unfair one that then discourages uh, younger folks from wanting to uh, go into teaching. And then I think the third reason is, um, you know, teaching is hard. Um, you know, working with children all day um, requires a special kind of patience and um, a special kind of person who who just loves children and, and loves to be around them all day. So um, sometimes um, folks like to work with technology or like to manufacture and make things, but when you're a teacher, you're in the people development business. And is there any, or any I guess, region or part of the state that we're seeing uh, struggling more so than other areas of the state? Well, I think our areas that are more regionally isolated are struggling more because, um, you know, they have less economic activity. I think millennials um, and that group of uh, age group where you would have and expect uh, newer teachers to come from somewhere around 24 to age, you know, 30, uh, you know, they're selecting other careers and more areas that have um, 
greater cultural opportunities for them. Um, and sometimes some of our rural areas have been hit pretty hard by the economic downturn. Uh, and things like local movie theaters or local uh, museums or cultural centers have been uh, closed, unfortunately, due to uh, some of the economic downturn in some of our rural areas. And so uh, a rural revitalization is needed. And that's what, so you, you hit on the millennials a little bit. So do you think we're seeing kind of a, a generational shift of teachers, so to speak? I do think that. I think that our millennials are very connected with one another, very socially engaged, uh, culturally aware, um, and uh, active individuals. And they don't see uh, teaching as a career like uh, I once did, you know, almost 30 years ago, um, where you go into it and you expect to be in teaching your uh, entire life. Uh, and so I think that the, millennial, the new millennials, um, you know, are selecting multiple careers, many different interests that they have. Uh, because of their uh, broader experience. And Commissioner, my last question for you today, um, you know, obviously you, you talked a little bit about low unemployment and then we have uh, a number of baby boomers uh, that are going to be retiring. Does this concern you that this shortage could even go deeper? Yeah, I do think that it will really impact our ability to provide an excellent education to all of our youngest Minnesotans. Um, but I do believe that, you know, the governor has been proposing and proposed last session as well some tuition reimbursement. Uh, we have some specific grants to increase our diversity with the American Indian Edu uh, Teacher Grant as well as uh, support for some of our universities that have a collaborative urban educator grant for uh, diversifying our teacher workforce. And I think some of these initiatives and then also support for grow your own programs within school districts so that teachers can identify students who are interested in uh, public service, interested in uh, working with children and help them uh, enter into the field. And so some of those innovative programs I think are going to help us to uh, address the shortage we may have from some of those boomers retiring. All right. Well, lots of great information. Commissioner, anything else you wanted to add today that maybe I didn't hit on? Well, I just think we have a lot of great, hardworking teachers out there getting it done for our kids every single day. And uh, remember, 90% of our parents choose our public schools. And I think that um, we need to be sure that the state steps in right now and provides extra assistance to ensure we have high-quality teachers for every single one of our kiddos. Thanks again to my guest, Minnesota's Education Commissioner, Brenda Caselius. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Technology moves at the speed of innovation. And today, that's lightning fast. So when you get your hands on the latest tech, don't forget to do the right thing with your old devices. Recycle them. The Consumer Electronics Association and its members are making recycling your old tech device as easy as purchasing new ones. Just go to greenergadgets.org, type in your zip code, and you'll instantly find the responsible recycling location closest to your home. You'll also find lots of tips to simplify your recycling, like asking the store where you buy your new TV if they'll haul away your old one. Television sets, video game consoles, smartphones, tablets. They're all recyclable. Don't let them clog up your local landfill. 
Just visit greenergadgets.org. You're sharp enough to get the latest tech tools into your home. Now be responsible enough to get your old devices to the recycler. That's greenergadgets.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Strong feelings about a bill that would increase penalties for certain kinds of protests boiled over in a sharp exchange this week on the floor of the Minnesota House. It received national attention. For what purpose does the lady rise? Uh, Call the House, Mr. Speaker. I hate to break up the 100% white male card game in the retiring room, but I think this is an important debate. I'm a white male. I respect everybody. But I really believe the comments that were made by the Minority leader were really not appropriate. Minority leader, would you apologize to the body? I have no intention of apologizing, and I'm really tired of watching women of color, in particular, being ignored. So I'm not sorry. Mr. Speaker. The gentleman from Washington, Representative Detmer. All I know is if I would have made a comment like that, it probably would have made the front page of the newspapers. And uh, Minority Leader, I do forgive you. In that context, MN's Bill Werner has some thoughts about protests and free speech. The First Amendment to the Constitution of our United States was put first for a reason. And it is now again the focus of passionate debate here in Minnesota over the reach of this fundamental statement, which is so dear to Americans and so essential to our freedom. The question this time around is whether to increase penalties on protesters who shut down freeways, shopping malls, and airports. Public disruption and everything grinding to a halt gets a lot of attention. It has become the go-to move. For protesters. What level of dissent or protest would be convenient enough for you? I would recommend people stay off the freeways, don't block airports, and don't interfere with mass transit. The First Amendment states that Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. But how far does that go? That question is one that we have wrangled with since the founding of the Republic. On one hand, screaming fire in a crowded theater, or urging a mob with guns in front of the White House to shoot it up, clearly goes beyond one's right of free speech. At the other end of the spectrum, the government executing citizens who criticize powerful people would be a clear and egregious violation of the First Amendment. But what about protesters shutting down shopping malls on Black Friday or getting in the way of people trying to board airplanes to go home for the holidays or walking out into the middle of the freeway during rush hour? Got people coming around a corner at 55 miles an hour and suddenly having to slam to a stop. The public safety risks to them as well as to the protesters as well as to the law enforcement people have got to put their lives on the line to protect that right. Jamal Clark was murdered! by the Minneapolis Police Department. So if you want us to stop protesting, sir, stop giving us a reason to protest, please. Disrupting normal course of events is is definitely one tactic that uh, protesters can decide to use, but there need to be stated consequences for that that are objectively applied. 
With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. My country tears of thee, sweet land of liberty of thee I sing, land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrims cry, from every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. In the America of 2017, as in 1963 or 1776, I think what keeps us free in times of most acute trial is not servitude to the status quo, but rather obedience to conscience. And those who take that difficult stand now, as they did then, must be prepared to pay the price. Minnesota News Network. Thank you, Bill. My interview with Lieutenant Governor Tina Smith when Minnesota Matters returns. Sometimes a simple idea can be developed into something big that can change the world. This is Katy Perry. In fourth grade, my music teacher helped me make a vision board. It was a collage that represented all of my hopes and aspirations in music. But what if my teacher didn't have the supplies we needed to make our collages? What if I never got the chance to learn and express my dreams? Unfortunately, that's the reality our teachers face every day. They're forced to spend their own money, sometimes just to keep the classroom running. That's why I'm teaming up again with Staples for Students to donate $1 million to DonorsChoose.org, a charity that helps teachers get what they need to bring learning to life for students. DonorsChoose.org has helped fulfill more than 700,000 classroom projects benefiting more than 18 million students. It's an idea that's changing the world. It's easy to help. Donate in Staples stores or learn more at StaplesForStudents.org. It's Thursday night and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. 
started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in, say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Officials are inviting Minnesota students to enter a state capital essay contest, coinciding with the capital's grand opening festivities this summer. I recently spoke with Lieutenant Governor Tina Smith about the capital and the contest. What is so remarkable about this renovation and restoration of the state capital is that it is reminds us all of what an incredible building this is. It's really a monument to Minnesota's history and People who go inside the Capitol are able to see it in a way that they've never really been able to see it since the 1920s because of the um, restoration of all of the um, art and decorative painting. And with that in mind, we thought it would be a great idea to get our uh, kind of the next generation of Minnesotans, students, to uh, participate in an essay contest, really asking them to think about what this beautiful building means to them, both in terms of the history that they might be studying in school and then also what it means to us today. So we have a, an essay contest, and it is for um, students that are in, um, in elementary, excuse me, in um, K through 12, and there are different categories. There's a there's a category, I shouldn't say K through 12, it's elementary and middle school and high school students. So there's grades 3 through 5 is one category, and grades 6 through 8, and then grades 9 through 12, and there'll be an, uh, an essay contest, and the winners will be recognized at the grand sort of public opening of the state capitol on August 12th. And there are, uh, it looks like there are some sort of guidelines or two particular themes that you're asking the, the students to focus on. Can you talk just a little bit about what the themes are? Sure. There are two of them, as you say. And the first one is called My Minnesota Capital, um, Everybody's Minnesota Capital. And what we are asking uh, students to write about is what this beautiful building means to them and what they think um, the building represents for Minnesotans, regardless of what their backgrounds are, how long they've lived in this state, um, kind of where they come from. And we're asking students to tell us, why do you think it's important to remember that this building is designed for every single Minnesotan? So that's the first category. The second category is called A Place to Remember History and History in the Making, and it reminds us that there have been so many important historic moments in this building and that they'll, those moments will continue to occur in the future. So we ask students to uh, reflect on one of the most important events that has occurred at the state capitol in their minds and then how they think the capitol will continue to serve Minnesota as our state keeps changing. 
And as gratifying as it must be for students who win in this essay contest to be able to read their essays during the festivities in August, there is another incentive, a uh, financial incentive, if I understand. That's right. We are uh, the winners in each category. We'll also receive a $1,000 Minnesota State, uh, Minnesota College Savings Plan which will um, give students a way of helping uh, them and their families pay for future higher education expenses. And I think that's going to be a really nice, um, nice way of recognizing the, um, you know, some of the students. But we're really hoping that all of the students will participate. This will be a great example and kind of excuse for them to delve a little bit into the the history of the capital and what makes it so exceptional. You maybe covered this a little bit in your, your opening remarks to me, but I am curious, what does the capital mean to you personally? Every single day I am so blessed to walk in the doors of that amazing building and have my office there. And I can never, every time I walk through the doors or I, as I'm driving up John Ireland Boulevard and I see that beautiful building, I think a little bit, um, I take a moment to think about how remarkable it is that for uh, so many years we have had this really monument to democracy. And sometimes the discussions in the Capitol are difficult and uh, challenging and even a little messy, but that's where we really dive into the big ideas about what our state is and where we're going and how that future can include everyone. And it's sort of a physical, for me, it is a physical manifestation of our compact with one another that we're going to govern ourselves for the good of all of us. Very well stated. I appreciate you sharing that with me. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, is there anything else you wanted to add about the contest? I just really encourage uh, students and teachers and parents to take a look at this and um, participate. I think it's going to be really incredibly uh, fun to see what students write. And you can email your entries to capital.essays at state.mn.us. And all essays uh, should be um, postmarked by or emailed in by April 28th. That email address one more time is capital.essays at state.mn.us. Thanks again to my guest, Lieutenant Governor Tina Smith. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Hey, it's Flint Lockwood here from Swallow Falls. My friends and I have just discovered these amazing living foodimals. But wait, we've also discovered a crisis that needs our help. According to my calculations, one in five kids in America struggles with hunger. That's almost 17 million kids. Our mission is to help solve hunger by teaming up with the Feeding America Network to get food to kids facing hunger in communities across the country. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks helping connect children and families who face hunger to billions of pounds of food, reaching shelters, schools, and community centers in every county in America, including yours. Help Flint and the Feeding America Network of Food Banks get food to the people who need it in your community. Find your local Feeding America food bank at feedingamerica.org hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. A familiar name and face to diehard University of Minnesota football fans is back on campus and now working within the Golden Gopher Fund. Former Gopher kicker Chris Hawthorne began his new role late last month and is helping raise funds for the $160-plus million Athletes Village on campus. Hawthorne is considered a rising star in the athletic administration field, having gotten a job with Bowling Green right out of college, moved on to the University of Iowa, and now here at Minnesota. He's only 25 years old. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm sat down with Hawthorne to talk about his new role in athletic development at the University of Minnesota. This will be a 45-yard attempt. It's in the air, plenty of leg, plenty of height, and he drilled it down the middle. Chris Hawthorne with a field goal from 45 yards out, and the Gophers have the first points of the night here in New Mexico. Chris, you're back on campus. Um, How exciting is that for you? So excited to be home and around people that are just just tremendous in so many ways and at a school that means so much to me and uh, really, really excited to get going here for sure. What will your role be here within the department? So I'm working with the Golden Gopher Fund, helping to finish the Student Athlete Village, helping to uh, start and finish the track campaign. Uh, we've got some things with Mariucci we have still to do, so it's it's an all-encompassing role that will do a lot of external, uh, externally focused fundraising, but really the nuts and bolts of what we do is all about the student athlete experience what can we do to arm our student athletes with every resource imaginable they need to be successful and that's facilities it's scholarships it's programmatic resources and this place is primed for excellence and we're ready to get there snap back spot down the kick is up and it is good he hit it Chris Hawthorne has given Minnesota a two-touchdown lead here in the third quarter. He hung it up, and it went down the middle for the field goal. Tucked it inside the right upright, and it's 27-13 Minnesota. As a recent student-athlete and as a guy who now is in charge or helping with the fundraising and the development part of it, how much, too, though, can that student-athlete, a recent experience, help offer suggestions like, this is maybe where money should get directed, or let's have some new brainstorming ideas on this and this. When I was a student, we could have used this. At the end of the day, in our, in our discussions, we've talked very little about wins and losses. That's something that, to a certain extent, I can no longer control, certainly. But as a student-athlete, you only have so much control over that. But for us, it's about the totality of the experience. And I can honestly say my experience here was extraordinary in every sense of the word. And it was as much um, excellent for what I was able to do off the field as what I was able to do on the field in the classroom. And so we feel here at Minnesota that we've got elite student-athletes and that we've got an unbelievable state that's ready to retain those student-athletes once they graduate. And we're all about developing the market-ready leaders of tomorrow. Out of the hole to Mortel. A 39-yard attempt. Hawthorne, snap back, spot down, kick is up, plenty of leg, and he drilled it again. It is good, and the Gophers lead by 10. Has much changed? It's only been a few years, right, from when you uh, left here as a, as a uh, former student-athlete to now as a full-time athletic department employee? There's still some, some familiar faces, for sure, around the department, but you drive around Dinky Town, it's like, what happened here? You've got high-rises everywhere, and you drive by Beerman right now, and it looks indescribably different. Uh, the, the facility we're building has transformed the skyline, certainly on campus, and 
uh, there's just a buzz about this place right now that's really palpable for sure. You, um, as a graduate, always kind of wanted to get into this. You got a nice uh, start, I mean, right out of college. It was a Bowling Green, I think, and then you bounced into the Big Ten uh, to that school to the south, as we like to say, and uh, back home. What was what were those experiences like to, uh, to help prepare you at a young age for a fairly important role within the department? I think both were unbelievably important uh, to go from a school of this size and scope um, to a school like Bowling Green that's a really, really good mid-major school that's had a lot of football success, hockey success, and is building into a basketball, really good basketball school. It was good. I had to learn how to fight and scratch there. I remember one of the best pieces of advice I got from Beth Getz was, that's what you have to do at a school like that. You're going to wear a lot of hats. You're going to get exposed to a lot of things. You're going to fail more than you succeed at times, but I think that's better for you in the long run. And uh, where I was in my life, that was really, really important for me. And then obviously the chance to get back to the Big Ten um, was awesome. And, and Iowa, the people at Iowa were unbelievable to me. The donors at Iowa, we, we experienced unbelievable success. The timing was great with the Rose Bowl and uh, the basketball year they had and the, the wrestling season. Um, and, and that was great because I got to learn the major gift side of things. But um, ultimately the opportunity to come home uh, to, to be at a place that I love uh, that, that I get really energetic and emotional talking about uh, was simply too good to pass up. You want to be an athletic director, do you think, someday down the road? I, I think uh, Mark and I have talked a little bit about it. I'd like to be an athletic director by the time I'm in my mid-30s and, and hopefully an athletic director in this league by the time I'm, I'm 40. Uh, and then the goal long-term one day is to take Jim Delaney's job as the commissioner of the Big Ten. So Set those goals high. Might as well, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much. Welcome back. Appreciate it. Good to be home. That's Gopher fundraiser Chris Hawthorne with MN Sports Director Mike Grimm. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.